Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better... This is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, to get started. We have a list on our website, warrockandajax.com, called Every Story Ever. What we're doing is we're taking lists from our listeners of three comic book stories, and then we are placing those stories on the list from best to worst comic book stories of all time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the War Rocket Ajax Every Story Ever special for August 2023. 
I almost said 2024, willing us into the future. Don't. I mean... Don't. Something my mother always said to me was, don't wish your life away. And, That's true. That's true, Matt. I won't be doing that. In, indeed. Uh, my name is Matt Wilson. Chris Sims is here with me, as always. I'm back! And better than ever! Yes. Wrestling genius Eric Bischoff. That was his music. It's weird because he was back, but I do not think he was better than ever. He had better hair. When he, when it, it stopped being the color and consistency of literal shoe polish. Yes, yes, yes. It was much better, yes. That might be the only thing about him that was better upon that return. We don't talk about pro wrestling from the mid-2000s on this show, though. I mean, we do, but... That's a bald-faced lie, dog. <laughs> we don't... That's not what the show is about. What this show is about... It's is... not what the show is about, but it is what the show is. <laughs> uh, what we do on this show is rank comic stories from best to worst. And Chris, would you like to give a quick update on the state of the Every Story Ever list as it currently stands? I mean, it's about the same as it has been for the last little bit. We're we're closing in on on 1500. We're closing in on a big on another big milestone. That's right. We're according to my version of the list, we're at 1471. We are at 1471 according to my version of the list as well. We have separate versions of the list, folks. We do. We do. Mine has has notes that maybe get a little personal <laughs> but uh at number one of course uh as it has been for quite some time 1965's uh spider-man if this be my destiny slash the final chapter the story from amazing spider-man number 31 to 33 fights dr octopus bottom of the hudson river and then then he 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 some stuff falls on him yes and I don't want to ruin what happens next, but I mean it's pretty good. He does the thing. Yeah. And then he gets in a fight and he's like I'm just going to let these dudes punch me because they're nothing. That's right. That is And I can actually rest and recuperate while these while these fucking jabrones uh, try their best to stop me, the Amazing Spider-Man. Because I'm fucking Spider-Man? You know it's number one on the list when all we have to say is the character in it does the thing, and you know what we're talking about. Yeah. And there's like there's a few comics where I could be like, boy, you know about, uh, you know about this man, this monster? Where the thing does the thing? <laughs> yeah, boy. That's the good that's stuff. Also, that's also very high on the list. What would, like, are there other characters who have the thing that they do? Because that's, like, that's Ben Grimm's thing, is what he True. does in This Man, This Monster, and in Marvel 2 and 1 Annual number 7. True. Uh, and Spider-Man's thing is what he does in Amazing Spider-Man 33. I will have to think, I will have to think on this. I will have to think on this. I would almost say that Batman's thing is digging his way out of his own grave. But I feel like he's only done that a couple times. It's been more than once. I don't think this is true, but 
in my mind, Superman's thing is writing his name on the moon. Yes. That's that's not right, but it's not wrong either. Chris, the bottom of the list. I think I, I tried Identity to, Crisis. Identity Crisis fucking sucks. I think you're trying to avoid saying what's on the bottom of the list. <laughs> it's Identity Crisis. It's yeah. always been Identity Crisis. We are now, we're coming up on being 20 years removed from Identity Crisis. What? And I, like, I've been wondering, because I think about Identity Crisis an abnormal amount. Which is sad. I mean, it's, it's sad. It's, you could be thinking about something good. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. Matt. Yeah. I don't want to think about it. But I do. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that you have to think about identity crisis. I've been wondering, is it time for is it time for me? Is it time for me to let identity crisis go? Is it time for me to say that I don't know for certain that identity crisis is the worst comic that's ever been published? As long as we continue to do this list, we'll have to think about it. That that is the that is the great burden we have put on ourselves. That's true. There's really no getting around that, that that we are sadly contractually obligated to think about identity crisis at least once a month. But like, I thought about it. I'm like, is it time to lay down that burden? Do I still need to look at that comic from 2005, all these years removed and be like, no, that's the worst one. And the answer is yes. I still need to... That's still the the worst one. Chris, this may be a bold claim, but we've been doing this segment of the show. Next year will be 10 years that we've been doing every story ever. Because I'm relatively certain we started in 2014. Probably, yeah. Yeah. I don't think Identity Crisis will ever be usurped as the bottom of the list. Yeah, and and the thing is, I don't think that's incorrect. Yeah. I think we're right. And I bet, like, if I went back and read Identity Crisis right now, not that I need to, because it's in there, it's in the fucking vault forever, for some ungodly reason. I feel like I would go back and look at it and be like, this fucking sucks in ways I forgot. Well, let's think about some other comics now, Chris. Let's, I would let's love dive to. I'm gonna, I've gotten myself into a bad fucking mood. <laughs> well, let's try to get you out of it. Let's, let's, yeah, man, give me some good ones. Let's uh, turn out of the skid here and look at, okay. We do have to catch up on something. Apparently there was a story, a comic, that was submitted to us all the way back, or that we brought up in an episode, all the way back in April. In the April Every Story Ever episode. That we were like, we'll get this to this next time. And then we didn't. And people have been reminding us to do this comic ever since. And we just haven't. I would be shocked if that... If there's only one? Well, this one in particular has been coming back. And All right, Matt, hit me. That one is 
Barry Windsor Smith's Weapon X. Oh yeah, did we did we say we were going to go reread that, or did we just say we were going to talk about it in the next episode? I think we said we were going to talk about it next episode. We may have read it. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that that is the story from Marvel Comics Presents. Yeah, bud. In which Wolverine wears that helmet. He wears that helmet that you you may or may not have had an action figure of. I had that action figure. I had the nude Wolverine action figure that they made and sold to children. Yeah, they were like, hey, that guy you like, here he is nude. But here he a, is bare-assed with a fucking nerd helmet on. <laughs> that looks very similar to what Professor X wears on his head now. Yeah, his nerd helmet. There's his nerd look, helmet, yeah. Look, I know Jack Kirby would dispute this. But there's only so many shapes a helmet can be, man. Before you get into good hat territory, mm-hmm. there's only there's only so many. Here's my question. Are what Jack Kirby draws hats or helmets? Like, is what Hella wears on her head a hat or a helmet? I would say, I mean, this is we're getting really into the kind of taxonomy territory that has caused no significant amount of of division in our ranks. True, true. I think. But I think all helmets are hats, but not all hats are helmets. I think it I so I when I say Jack Kirby hats, I am including all of the helmets as well. Okay. Because Hella wears a hat. That's a hat. That has no like protective function, which I believe would be the distinction between a helmet and a hat. Okay. Okay. Thor wears a hat, or Thor wears a, Thor wears a helmet, which is also a hat. Which is also a hat, yeah. But like Hela's hat is a hat, Thor's hat is a helmet. Odin's the good hat. I don't know. I think it might be a helmet too. I mean, it probably given the nature of the character, I think we can assume that it's that it's a a, a, a helmet, but it's definitely a hat. It is definitely the good hat. But what we do know is that what Wolverine wears in Weapon X is a helmet, which is also a hat, but it also has a visor. Wolverine normally wears a hat that is the shape as his own hair. Would you call that a hat, or is that just like a head covering? I mean, I I would lump that under under the aegis of hat. Okay. I think any head clothing is a hat. We any top of the head clothing is a hat. Okay. We will further get into hat taxonomy at a future date. Cause weapon X does kind of rule. No, uh, uh, weapon X super rules. And let me tell you something. If you want to see some dudes get <laughs> fucked up, <laughs> this is a good comic to read. If you like that scene in RoboCop 2 where they try to make RoboCop 2 and it doesn't work and for some reason that's the funniest shit I've ever seen. Yeah, you mean the best scene in all of cinema? Right. Yeah. yeah. Which I think that is a that's a litmus test for what kind of person you are is if you watch that scene and laugh so hard there are tears in your eyes or if you don't. <laughs> 
and I think I don't know what what the results of that are. Like I don't know what kind of person it is, but I know I'm one of them. You and I are in the latter category. Yeah, yeah, dudes who need therapy. <laughs> uh, that's basically like there's like twenty pages of this that is that, except for it's Wolverine. Yeah, like all in all, it's a fairly thin story because it's just like some guys do experiments on Wolverine. They put adamantium on his body and then he fucks them up real bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, Marvel comics presents, I believe these were eight pagers when they were originally published. Yeah. Uh, Cause Marvel comics presents had three stories in every issue. If memory serves. Uh, and yeah, there's, that is what it is, but I'm pretty sure this is the first time that we like see like this part of Wolverine's origin with at, at the very least with like this level of detail and with this level of how fucked up it was. Yeah. Uh, and also Wolverine's naked throughout. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I also like that. There's a part of this comic where someone literally goes, he's got knives in his hands. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I vividly, I vividly remember that being in the dialogue. Uh, oh, yeah. I did forget about the part where Wolverine fights a bunch of fucking wolves. They just like put him out in the woods, and they're like, "Let's see what happens when these wolves attack him." That is that. I thought that was during his escape. That's because it's like after he fucks some dudes up. It's a te- It's a test. It's a test. There. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Normally, I am. I mean, I am against that. But, like, there is a part of me that, like, in comics, I do like to watch somebody, like, fight a wolf. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, that, wolf is, that, that wolf is just an actor. That's fine. That, 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 that wolf is fine. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what wolf is not fine, and that's Wolverine. Wolverine is massacring guys. Like, there's the, the splash page where he's just, like, standing on a pyramid of dudes he's killing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, bud. When he throws that fucker out the window? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Like, this, this shit fucking rules, is what it is. <laughs> the, the. Like, look. I, I, one thing I've kind of c- come to learn about myself uh-huh. is, like, I'm not always a fan of anti hero stories. But when they're good, they're good, man. Uh, and Weapon I, X is good, and and part of it is the so much of this story is setting up how these guys deserve it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like so much of being a comics reader of our age is like remembering being in a time when like Wolverine was in everything. Yes. And there's so many Wolverine stories that are just, like, bad. And then, and you're like, I am sick of this guy. They have successfully made me sick of this guy. And then you go back and you read Weapon X or the Claremont and Miller Wolverine, or you read the fucking Hellfire Club story, or you read that one where he takes uh, Colossus out of the bar to just fucking beat the shit out of him after he breaks Kitty Pride's heart. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Oh, I get it, though. Like, I get it, though. I get why they would... I get why this would... Why they did that. 
Because this guy does rule, actually. Yeah. Why and this when became, he's good, he's fucking great. Yeah, why this became their guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and similarly, like, I'm going to say this, and I'll probably change my mind as soon as the words have left my mouth, but I've read a lot of Conan the Barbarian, and I've read a lot of of Marvel Comics Presents Weapon X, and I've read other assorted things. I don't think I've ever read Rune, but maybe you can tell me if Rune's worth reading. I don't know if anybody has ever drawn dudes getting fucked up as well as Barry Wintersmith. Yeah, I was about to say that. Like, the number one thing about this story is Barry Windsor Smith pretty good. Yeah. Like, like pretty good in general. Specifically good at dudes getting fucking rocked. Well, it's it's so interesting how, like... I, I, like I said, the story itself is... It's not like it's nothing, but it's, like, kind of threadbare, right? Like, it's... Weapon X is ultimately, like, what, like a 36-page story or something like that? It's not. It's. I mean, it's... It, it went over several parts. Like, I think it went over, like, 10 or 12 parts. So it's long in, yeah. in terms of number of issues. But yeah, like, it's maybe it's like the a, equivalent of, like, four issues. It's like a 36-42 page story. And the plot itself is just literally exactly what I said. Some dudes experiment on Wolverine he busts out and wrecks their shit. And in the process, he gets adamantium welded to his bones. And that's like a pretty thin story, even to stretch over that many pages. But ultimately, the the, the process of reading it, because of the way it's presented, is riveting. <laughs> and yeah. so good. Like, it's it's about the journey more than the destination because you already know Wolverine has metal bones. That's not the point. Is he strong? It's, Listen, Holmes. He's got metal on his bones. He's got metal on his bones. It's shorter than that. It's only like twenty four pages, but it's long. It's longer than that. Oh, you, you know what? You're right. You're right. Yeah, it's longer. It's, than it's that. longer than that. It's let's see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely longer than that. It's yeah, it's like there's, there's a group of it. It's like a hundred pages, maybe. But even um you know, stretched over that amount of story a story that is still relatively pretty thin is is a great read. And it is amazing that Marvel Comics allowed it in nineteen ninety one. Yeah, it's pretty wild. He is, as you said, full ass naked throughout this whole thing. Like, his dick is always in shadow. <laughs> but, I, thought, I thought you were going to say his dick is always out, which is also <laughs> true. But it is always hidden in shadow. But his butt is on panel multiple times. Yeah, man. It's, yeah, it's he's, wild. He's, it's fucking out. Yeah. And like, because like, of course he would be. Like they don't, they don't give you little shorts when they put your put the metal on your bones. Well, what's funny is that when they did part two in Uncanny X Men, they put little shorts on him. 
I do believe, before anyone writes in, I believe the action figure also had the little shorts, but, like, we knew. In the we theater of imagination, knew. that action figure did not have any little shorts. Yeah, we've been new about... We've been new about Wolverine being naked. <laughs> but, yeah, when they did the, the follow-up... Uh, He's naked in the fucking house ad for this story. Yeah. Like, in yeah. the paperback, they reprint the, the house ad that is that page of him, like, you know, in his little sleepy chair. But, yeah, like, they wanted you to know, hey, pick up Marvel Comics Presents number 72. You will see Wolverine hanged on. <laughs> I'll tell you uh, what, that, that fucking follow-up in Uncanny X-Men where he fights Lady Deathstrike, that fucking owns, too. It is good. Yes, it is good. Uh, all right, let's let's rank this. Let's rank this. Uh, are we including uh, uh, X Men uh, Uncanny X Men two hundred five? But well, ho- hold on. Uncanny X Men two hundred five was earlier because that was in the mid eighties. So that was like a prequel to this, or like a lead up story to this. When was when was was uh the Weapon X? Oh, I guess it was 91? 91, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, the the actual like follow-up, the actual sequel, was in the Wolverine ongoing. Right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. So I got those mixed up. I did two for a minute. They're I've, all in the paperback. They're all in the paperback, yeah. But um, – no, I think we just I think we just do the Barry. I think we well, Barry Windsor Smith did draw one of them. I think he might have drawn the one in the Wolverine ongoing. Uh, which was a single issue. I'm actually going to verify what issue that was. It was 48 of the Wolverine ongoing, which I guess was the 1988 series. So let's see. I'm looking it up. Was that a Barry Windsor Smith? No. That's a okay. That's a different story. Okay. Uh, that's like a Larry Hama thing. Yeah, Larry but, wrote uh, Wolverine for a very long time. People yeah. don't talk about that run as much as some <laughs> of Larry's other work. Uh, so the prequel, which was also drawn by Barry Windsor Smith, was earlier. That was the story that was in Uncanny X Men. Yeah, that's the that's the one where he fights uh, Lady Deathstrike in the snow. That shit fucking rocks. Yeah, that, I, have we ranked that one, Wounded Wolf? No, but I think we should rank it separately. Oh, it fucking slaps, dude. Yeah, that whole team. Let me tell you. Let me tell you about a team. I'm talking the Mont on on, on words, banging on the keyboard. I'm yeah. talking Barry Windsor Smith. I'm talking. Uh, letterer Tom Orzakowski, Tommy Orr's best to ever do it. I'm talking about editor and Nascenti. That's a kick-ass group. That's a murderer's row right there. But I think for this, for the purposes of this, we're just going to rank Barry Windsor Smith Weapon X from Marvel Comics Presents. From Marvel Comics Presents. Okay. Uh, rules. As good as, as good as hell. Yeah, agreed. How high is that? Uh, I I mean, 
I don't know if it. We say this all the time, but it is true. It's a very top heavy list. It is. It is. So I don't know if this comic that we've just talked about being so good. Like I don't know if that makes it into the top one hundred even. Well, here's my question. Here's my question. Because I feel like this is a comparable story to this story. How does it rank against the Captain America story that includes 350? Ooh. This, I think, is more consistently good. Yeah. If we were ranking Captain America 350 by itself, it would it would be higher on the list, I think. If Steve Rogers was bare-ass naked throughout Chap 350, <laughs> no question. Okay, well that story, Captain America No More, is at number 430. So this is more consistently good, but like Cap 350 by itself is is better, yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna go up from there. We're going to go up from 4.30. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What do we have? I'm, I'm looking for something that's comparable around 300. I mean, it's it's as good as, as Jughead 200, which is a weird thing to say, but it's it's better than that, I think. All right. Is it is better it, than Superior Foes of Spider-Man? I could be convinced that it is, yeah. What caught my eye was Infinity Gauntlet at 292. Ooh, Infinity Gauntlet, pretty good. Yeah. Infinity Gauntlet, pretty good, and retroactively one of the most important stories in Marvel Comics history. Yes. JLA New World Order's at 294. Folks, I don't like to gatekeep. Uh Uh-huh. You know I don't like to gatekeep. I want everybody to read comics. I want everybody to read comics and, and, and love comics the way I do. Uh, or the way they do. You don't have to love them the way I do. Although, fortunately, Matt, you do. As much as you do. No, I mean like the way that I do. No, I know, but I'm, sa- I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying not necessarily the way that you do, but maybe as much as you do. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You, you mostly, with a few notable exceptions, you and I love comics the same way. It's, it's the worst thing about the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm talking about other people. I'm talking about other people... Yeah. You want them to love comics as much as you do. But I'll, but I'll say this. I'll say this. If you call them Infinity Stones and not Infinity Gems, I know where your heart's at. <laughs> I've seen your mind. <laughs> you will betray me. Three times. That's, that's what I have to say about that. Call them Gems. I don't know why they're not still called Gems. Somebody in some marketing department decided that stone was cooler than gem. The the the, the boys don't like gems. Boys like stones. Well, it's but that but that's Marvel Comics, right? Secret Wars is named after words boys like. So yeah. I don't know. Secret don't Wars know. being called Secret Wars because the two words that got the focus group boys the most excited were secret and war is the funniest fucking thing, and also the best thing, because Secret Wars is a fucking rad title. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I love that story. That That's why it's called Secret Wars. So... Is it below JLA New World Order, which is at 294? It's certainly... 
again, no offense. People have told us that we're too hard on Howard Porter. But it's certainly, like, you can't look at this and tell me it's worse than <laughs> what Howard Porter draws in Justice League. It, I mean, it's hard, like, it's kind of unfair to compare anyone to Barry Windsor Smith, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, again, one of the best to ever do it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, read, read those issues of Conan. He, like, I swear to God, he hits a motherfucker in the head with a mace in one of those issues, and it's just the simplest thing of, like, drawing a little explosion. Jim Parra does it all the time. But God almighty, it looks like it's the hardest anyone's ever been hit. So, better than JLA New World Order? Better than New World Order, I think better than City Fall, which is also a really good comic. Which puts it right below Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. All right. God, if, if Cosmic Odyssey was not drawn by... Uh, by Mike Mignola, then then it would be better than that too. But okay, uh, I'm gonna say Weapon X Marvel Comics presents Barry Windsor Smith. That uh, uh, is where that goes. Yeah, and that's that's Marvel Comics presents what uh, eighty something. It is. I have the issue numbers. Uh. It is 70, 72 to 84. 72 to 84. You got it. Those yeah. fucking covers, dude. They're so good. They're so good. Like, I'm sure Marvel was psyched that they had 12 issues of Marvel Comics Presents that they could put Wolverine on the cover on of. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, that it's literally printing money. Yes, yes. I just, like, surely they made posters of those covers. I would suspect that they did, yeah. Go look up, especially Marvel Comics Presents 79 and Marvel Comics Presents 80. Those are good-ass, poster-ass covers. I would bet that they made poster out of posters out of those covers, yeah. Fucking love Wolverine. All right. Now we move on to a full list, Chris. This one is from Josh Dangit from our Discord, who has a trio of unranked fraction juvenilia for us. Okay. First up is Mantooth, or what? the annotated Mantooth. Uh, I was actually uh, on my, my trip that I was on. I was talking to someone who doesn't like read comics a lot and he was like because I, I, I was talking about Fraction and he was like oh man I need to go find my copy of, uh, of the annotated Mantooth <laughs> and then he started talking about like the the what was it Steve Action America like little short film that he made for MK12 back in the day like yeah early Fraction stuff, like pre-comics Fraction stuff. Yeah. And, like, that was the first time I've ever had the experience of finding literally anyone else who wanted to talk to me about the annotated Mantu. <laughs> Mantu's about a gorilla. You don't know? Yes. About a gorilla. Yes. He, uh... Fraction and Andy Kuhn. Yeah, or the creative team behind one of the nicest guys in comics. Yes, uh, 
It, yes, and he's he is a gorilla, Mantooth. Yeah. Uh, you can get that book right now for $6.49 on Amazon.com. Not a sponsor. Published by AIT Planet Lar. Yep, boy, Larry. Larry getting on that one. An indie Larry publisher. Young. Yeah, that's right. An indie publisher that is no longer here. Uh, yeah, so Rex Mantooth, Kung Fu Gorilla. I don't need to say anything else. That's it. That's what the comic is. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 what if a gorilla was James Bond? Yeah. Which, if, you, if you're familiar with Fraction, which as a listener of this show you should be, you're like, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense for, like, one's first comic from, from like, 25 years ago. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's fun. And I like it. I, it's so old that I would, I am worried about ranking it without rereading it. <laughs> I was about to say the same thing, actually. We, like, we were all different people 25 years ago. Correct. Not 25 years ago, more 20 years ago. 20 years ago, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in my memory, it's good. In my memory, it's, it's. It's fantastic. Yeah, like it's. I I remember reading it and being like, "Oh, I love this guy. This 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 Matt Fraction guy. I bet he's going places." But it's first published January seventh, two thousand two. So yeah, twenty years ago, I would be a little. I would be a little. <laughs> I don't want anyone reviewing anything I wrote twenty years ago. Which we're also coming up on the twentieth anniversary of the ISB. Which, That's true. Uh, That's true. I'm going to delete and then crawl into a grave. <laughs> I I I'm hesitant to rank it. Like, if we did rank it, I think it would go somewhere in the middle. Like, it's a fun book, but it's like. It's clearly early work, and Fraction got a lot better the more he produced, the more he wrote. You know? Yeah. Um, It's his first published comic, and yeah. I, I would say this one might... This one might hit a little too close to home for us. Like, we don't review each other's work, Fraction has been on enough episodes of the show that I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to throw his first comic on there. Yeah. Yeah. I thought we had prison funnies on the list, but I can't find it. Do we not? That's that's not that's not a fraction. No, that's chip. But I was going to compare it. I oh, was yeah, going yeah. to compare them. Because I feel like they are comparable. <laughs> yeah. I thought we had it on the list, but it's not coming up as I search. But so I guess it's not. No, I don't. Th- I don't think we have, we do. Uh, uh, we we have we have prisoners of Doctor Doom. Yeah, but yeah. Hey, every time I see that, um, like racist, uh, whatever his name is, whose Twitter name is like Prison Planet or something. Uh huh. I always think it's fucking Johnny Ryan. Oh right, prison pit. Prison pit. 
And so I always have this moment of being like, man, I can't believe fucking Johnny Ryan. Like, I, I mean, I, I guess I can believe that Johnny Ryan became, <laughs> became a well-regarded conservative pundit. Like, I guess all that stuff, there wasn't any irony in that. Huh. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, well regarded is probably taking well, it too far. Yeah, you know, well regarded. Yeah, th- that was the wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, someone jo- people listen to. Poor Johnny Ryan has gotten it from both sides. Oh, because of Joey Ryan, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, d- d- look, all Johnny Ryan wants to do <laughs> is make comics about people getting mutilated in a pit. Okay. And all these other people are trying to ruin his good name. Yeah, it's like, it, it, like, just imagine the world where that is true, you know, that it's like Johnny Ryan. Because then it's like, then it makes me imagine like Ben Mar on Fox News. I don't want to follow this train of thought any further. You, you poisoned my brain against Mario Mario. <laughs> so you'll take what you get, Wilson. <laughs> Uh, that's fair. Next on Josh's list is Last of the Independents, the Image Comics uh, book that Fraction made with Kieran Dwyer. Boy, what a, like... Is there any other... We talk in wrestling uh, about strapping a rocket to your back. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and Last of the Independence was originally published by AIT as well. Oh, that's right. It it ended up being Image upon republication. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but buddy, is there anything as strap a rocket to this guy's back as doing a book with Andy Kuhn and then doing a book with Kieran Dwyer? It's man, like. We could all, if if only, we could all be so lucky as yeah. to have collaborators like that on our first couple of books. Yeah. Uh, this book again. I don't know if I've had if I've read it recently enough to like accurately rank it, but I will. You know, I have read it obviously, and I will say that format wise. It's interesting because this if if Mantooth is oh what if James Bond was a gorilla, yeah that makes sense. Uh-huh. Then Last of the Independence was hey do you know this guy likes movies from the seventies? <laughs> and it's also printed uh, landscape, like it's the size of a comic, but it's it's bound landscape, uh, and it uh, like when it was originally printed. I don't know if they did this in the image version because I had the the original, but when it was printed, it had like a little slip cover so that you could still like put it on a bookshelf like a a regular comic that was printed like portrait orientation. Uh and for that, I thank you. Last of the Independence. I've I've read it recently enough that I think I can adequately judge it. Mm-hmm. I think there's some stuff in it that if we asked Fraction about it now, he'd be like, yeah, I wish I hadn't done that. Full out. 
like I understand what it is and what it is trying to accomplish. It is trying to present a character in a particular way as a particular archetype, but words are used that I'm sure Fraction would now say, hey, I, I probably shouldn't, uh, I probably wish I hadn't uh, used that word uh, in 2003. Yeah. That's I mean, it. Probably. Yeah. Also, I like the look of the book is very kind of experimental in a way that Fractions comics were at this time, like all the way through Casanova. Mm-hmm. Where it's kind of like grimy black and white, like almost like textured, like the paper is like textured. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I do think it makes it like harder to read. Well, it's the the landscape orientation and the kind of like grain on the pages. Like when I say like, oh, this guy likes movies from the 70s, that's not subtext, it's text. Yeah. Like, I forget what movie it is where the guy, like, wears a t-shirt that says Last of the Independence through the entire movie. Uh, But, like, it is meant to evoke in every way that you can in this medium a different medium. Uh, Yeah, I mean, yeah. What the, what the ultimate, like, so we talked about uh, Mantooth being what if a gorilla was James Bond? This book is what if you took a like a seventies crime movie and a western, and they're the same story. Yeah. Oh, it's a uh, Charlie Varick is the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Where Walter Matthau, uh, who remember when you could look like that and be a big movie star? Love Walter Matthau. <laughs> yeah. Fucking taking a pill in one, two, three. God damn. Uh, yeah, he wears a, a, a shirt that says Last of the Independence uh, through the movie. So it is like, if you've seen that movie, you've kind of read this comic. Yeah. it's It wears its influences on its sleeve. It's got a high concept of like, let's mix up a crime story and a Western in one story. But I think it pulls it off pretty well. Would I recommend a whole bunch of other Fraction comics first? Absolutely, yes. But yeah, is I, this story largely pretty good? Also, yes. Uh, yeah, I would say... I The main value in this, and something that I think is important about a lot of like golden age comics, especially, but also like, you know, going back and reading Zenith or, or, you know, Halo Jones or whatever is it's interesting to watch these people who very clearly figure it out, figuring it out. Yeah. Like, cause fraction figures it out. Like yeah. in, in a pretty big way, in a <laughs> huge you, way, yeah. you, you know, you read man you read last of independence and then it's, I, I think it's like these, and then it's like Five Fists of Science, and then it's fucking Iron Fist, and we're off to the races. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, 
uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned oh, for okay. one of those books you just mentioned. All right. Um, I think this book is in our section of the list that's like good but they have better work okay you know what i mean like let's see um i'm trying to find a good example of like another comic that falls into that category I mean, we have Fear Itself at number 824. But I'm going to say I... Hmm. I was going to say I, I I think I like this better, but maybe I don't. Fear Itself is a pretty... Uh, mixed bag, but like a, a fairly confident story. Honestly. Fear itself is better than people gave it credit for at the time. Yeah, agreed. Like, okay, Nixon's Pals is at 901. <laughs> that is a comic. That is a comic. But, like, Nixon's Pals is like a book where it's like there's pl- there's stuff in there to like, and there's stuff in there that's like, oh, I don't know. And it's also <laughs> you know a book I mean? where, like, not the writer. Like, it, it's kind of the inverse of this, right? Because it's Joe Casey. Yeah. But it's one of Chris Burnham's first comics. Yeah. And that's a guy who figures it out. And yeah. like kinda kinda had it figured out at that point. But like I I don't know if if Chris Burnham gets like exponentially better at drawing comics, but he gets better, for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Do you well, do you think this goes above that or below that I have not read it recently enough to say I would say if I was gonna pick one of those books to read again I would probably pick Nixon's Pals but that's more because the amount of Joe Casey comics that I really like are fewer and further in between than the amount of Matt Fraction comics I really like yeah, that's fair. I, I do think ultimately maybe I'm going to put this a little lower than that. Because I'm seeing stuff that I think would go that I think go above it. Um, let's see. Silver Star is at 957. Okay. My floor for this is Blood is the Harvest, which is at 962. You think it's better than Blood is the Harvest? I think it's better than Blood is the Harvest. Gonna get a letter from Clint about that one. I mean, if I go to a McElroy Brothers show, they'll call me out from the audience. He'll, He'll see you, and he'll be like, get that guy out of here. Okay, here's where I'm going to put it. I'm going to put it at the new number 960 between Bishop's Crossing from uh, from Uncanny X-Men okay. 281 to 288 and Ultimate X-Men number 1 through 6. Oh yeah, it's definitely better than that. Yeah, so at the new number 960 uh, we are putting Last of the Independents. All right. 
and I'll put in parentheses Fraction Dwyer. This was like Kieran Dwyer at the peak of his like 2000s art style, mm-hmm. which was a little more kind of like loose than it is Captain America period, but man, it still looks good as hell. Yeah, I mean, it's it's less like John Byrne. <laughs> it's less like John Byrne. Yeah, it's it's more kind of his own his own thing. Uh, all right. Finally, on Josh's list is the Five Fists of Science, which I believe was a lot of people's first uh, fraction book because it was kind of like that was the image debut, I believe. Yeah, it was. I yeah. guess. I guess when I said you know Five Fists of Science and then Iron Fist, Casanova's in there. Casanova's uh, in there, yeah. And Casanova is kind of a thing where people were like, check out this Matt Fraction guy. Yeah, Casanova was the one where I was like, where I first like really, really took notice, if yeah. if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, it's like, I feel like there was an era, and I include myself in this, because as anyone knows, I like to write comics about shit I like. Of course. I like I like to steal the things I like and write comics about them. I really do. Uh but I feel like there was an era in comics where literally everyone had a this is my this is my goofy pitch that may or may not involve a gorilla. This is my like here's some movies that I like kind of like mashed up together. And then this is my book with Tesla in it. <laughs> and like everybody did one. Like, well, like, you know, did one, uh, Brent Clevenger did one. <laughs> like, well, I, I, I'll tell you, I remember hearing about the five fifths of science when it was released in 2006 and thinking, this is very similar to a book I've already read by writer Benito Serino. I believe there was a minor controversy. Called Tales from the Bully Pulpit. Which came out like two or three years earlier? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, two years earlier. They're very different books. They're very different books, but they're both about like, you know, <laughs> fighting Edison or whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, like, yeah, like everybody... Everybody had a Tesla comic they wanted to do. Fucking Atomic Robo was Tesla comic. I mean, no. Tales from the Bully Pulpit was not Tesla, but... No, Tales from the Bully Pulpit was uh, Thomas Edison and uh, uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Right, and Abraham Lincoln. But uh, Abraham yeah. Lincoln after, at the climax of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, when they fought Chairman Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I hope Benito's listening and and heard me remember Chairman Meow and how that's still fucking funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, Edison was one of the villains of Five Fists of Science, so yeah, that is a difference. Yeah, yes, uh, but yeah, like it's the Zeitgeist, baby. Like I feel like Kieran Gillen got one too, doesn't they? Like around the same time. That, yeah, probably. Yeah, pretty sure, like, there's a Fred, like, I mean, pretty sure there's a Fred Van Lunty comic along the same lines. It was like, 
it was a bunch of people who were like, well, they put gorillas in comics no more. And that was me. <laughs> they put gorillas in comics no more. It was it was part of a trend. It was part of the tr- like League of, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen trend, right? Yeah, it was like I'm going to put real historical figures in my comic, and they're going to have an adventure. Matt, um, I think we might have to have a sidebar about the cast of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Real quick. Okay, yeah, I feel yeah. like you are going to be very disappointed. Okay, yeah, yeah hit me. Uh, they were not real people. Oh right, yeah, I've. <laughs> You're right. Uh, they were they were fictional characters, oh. but it, but it is that kind of idea, though, right? No, it is it is that kind of like. Well, I'm going to take mean, a bunch of people who did different things, fictional or real, and then put them together. You know what it is? Is it's RRR? <laughs> it's here's these two dudes from this point in the past that never met and had adventures together. But what if they did? Yeah, yeah. I think it might go a little something like this. A little something like this. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I like Five Fists of Science. I, I believe I was... I think we're getting into... Was it... When did Five Fists of Science come out? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure I reviewed it. 2006. Yeah, so I would have been uh, reviewing comics on my blog at the time, which is probably how I got to know Fraction. Perhaps. Perhaps indeed. Yeah. Uh, well, what do uh, we think? Steven Sanders is the art in this, who's also very good. Yeah, yeah. It, it. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's rude to compare it to other things. But the Steven Sanders art and all, like it all has a very, if not League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, kind of like Alan Morey type of feel. Oh, there's some, there's some grids in this bad boy. Yeah. There's some there's some nine panel grids in this bad boy. You know what I'm th- I'm thinking about as much as League of Extraordinary Gentlemen from Hell, mm. which is like a fictionalized account of a real historical figure. But um, I th- I think it's I think so much of that kind of stuff that you're talking about was more inspired. I, I could be wrong, but. I'm going to say this, and I don't mean this in a mean way, even though it might sound like that. Okay. I feel like Five Fists of Science is exactly the comic you think it is if I say, hey, here's a new original graphic novel from Image from two up-and-coming creators. <laughs> I don't like I don't mean it in a mean way. Like I don't mean yeah. it's amateurish. I don't mean it's 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 bad by any means. But I mean like you read this and you're like, yes, these are up and coming creators. Like this is this is their book. I, it's actually kind of comforting to go back and look at the early work of creators. Because what you find so often is that their earliest work is this really high concept, big idea kind of stuff, you know, where they're like, I'm going to do something different and big. And then they do those stories for a little while, those types of stories. 
And those stories are good. But then as they become more seasoned and experienced and kind of get used to the idea of doing this, the stories kind of like come down off the mountain a little bit. And like a lot of times they're better for it. Like not to say that there aren't stories that have like big high concepts. Like Sex Criminals has a big high concept. Yeah, I was right? going to say I don't know if Matt Fraction ever got away from doing the big high concept book, Matt. But what? But like the difference between Five Fists of Science and Sex Criminals is Five Fists of Science is all about like here are some dudes that are fighting these other dudes, right? And Sex Criminals is all about relationships. In the end, yeah, and well, uh, Sex Criminals has a like. Its premise is also a metaphor, yeah. Which is a that's a a, a branch of writing I've never gotten into because <laughs> uh, I don't I don't enjoy metaphors like Garth Marenghi uh, subtext dot gif here, right? Uh, but yeah, like I I don't think there's a a a metaphor to be had in the pages of Five Fists of Science, yeah. It, and and it's not a character driven book. It is it is a book where it's like you know who these guys are, and now they're going to go up against each other. You know what I mean? Y'all know the name Five Y'all Fists of Science, and a damn thing changed. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's rank this. I it's good. It's good. Is there better Matt Fraction work after? Absolutely. Yes. So, help help me find the spot here. We put Last of the Independents at nine sixty. Where, where do we have we ranked Michael Coverman's Mark Twain comics? I don't think so. Okay, because this book also has Mark Twain in it, and so I thought that might be a good place to start. It really was a well. Okay, how about this? Tales from the Bully Pulpit is at number eight ninety. Don't no, don't no, no, Matt. Why did Buddy, you? I'm just telling you. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> you are, buddy. You you know what you're asking me to do, and I'm not gonna do. It. I'm not playing your fucking game. Okay, all right. Then uh, I gotta it, talk to that guy on Friday. Independent of and that, I don't want to get yelled at. Independent of that, where's where does this go? Uh, I mean, I'm looking. I'm looking down. I'm sc- I'm scrolling down because again, it is a top heavy list. But like, there's so many comics on the list that we we kind of go by the hundreds sometimes. And like, I don't think it's as good as number nine hundred, which is Last Stand of the Wreckers. That comic's pretty fucking good. Okay. Uh, is it as good as number 1,000, Rosalind the Babysitter from Calvin and Hobbes? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think there's any shame in being worse than either of those. Okay. Number 1,100 is Archie. The first Archie story by Bob Man- Montana from Pep Comics 22. This is better than that. This is better than that. Yeah. The column Chick. Is it better than Ben Mara's Night Business, which is at 1096? I don't think so. Is it better than The Todd Show, which is at 1097? 
That's not the one where Todd screams so hard his head explodes while he's wearing a t-shirt that just says, The Miracle, right? That's a different Todd comic. Because that comic's great. That's a different Todd comic, yeah. Right below Night Business. Right below Night Business. Hey, if you search for The Todd Show on Google, you just Google The Todd Show, first result is Todd Pettengill's Instagram. Wow. First one. Well, I guess you know he was a. Uh, I mean, you know, you know Todd Pettengill's uh, origin story, right? He's like a radio guy, right? He was like a radio guy. Yeah, not a not a Russell guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Todd Show is the one where Todd has a late night talk show. Yeah. Uh, it's not the one where he screams so loud his head explodes. I mean, it is pretty good. The Todd Show. Oh wait, no. It is the Todd show where his head explodes. <laughs> well, his head explodes multiple times. That's is true. The one where he screams so hard that his head explodes. Uh, actually, no. It's because it's because Theodore says the perfect thing. Right. It's because Theodore has the perfect comeback. Okay, so right below Night Business goes Five Fists of Science. Uh. And that is Matt Fraction, and who's the artist on that again? Steven Sanders. Steven Sanders. Okay, Fraction Sanders, 1097, Five Fists of Science. (laughs) Sorry, I went and looked up what Taylor said. (laughs) All right, Chris, our next list comes from CJ Crawl, who has a list of randos for us. Love a rando. Ready for some randos? Are you ready for some random? <laughs> I was about to do it. <laughs> you beat me by half a second. Hey, it's the wildest thing in the world that all my rowdy friends are coming over tonight became the theme song to Monday Night Football. Yeah. I was I mean, just thinking not, about that the other day. We're all used to it. <laughs> it's nuts. It's also, it's not as wild as if all my rowdy friends have settled down. Became the theme of Monday Night Football. But the existence of All My Ratty Friends Have Settled Down means that the theme song to Monday Night Football is about pills and 90 proof. Because that's yeah. what he was doing with his rowdy friends. Yeah. And they're coming over tonight. Do you want a drink? <laughs> Do you want a party? Uh, okay. First on CJ's list is Shadowhawk, Volumes 1 through 3, and Numbers 12 through 18. Uh, never read it, buddy. Never read it. By the time I would have read Shadowhawk, I knew what happens in Shadowhawk, and I was like, I don't think I need that in my life. (laughs) Shadowhawk is the weird, the weird one of the original image books, isn't it? It's, it's, calling it the weird one, I don't know if that's right, but it's definitely kind of the odd man out. It, that's what I mean, yeah, the, the odd man out. It's, because it was, it was Valentino, right? That was the Valentino book. It was Jimmy V, yeah. And it, it ends fairly quickly. Like, he comes back sometime, you know, occasionally. The, the, what CJ is asking us to rank is... The entire first run, which is 18 issues. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, 
CJ considers to all be one story, but yeah. Now, does that include the zero issue, which was written and drawn by Rob Liefeld? Good question. Good question. I mean, we. It doesn't matter because we're not going to rank it because <laughs> I never read Shadowhawk either. Yeah i I am afraid I have not read Shadowhawk. I. Yeah, I, I haven't read it, and I don't think if you don't if you don't know what happens in Shadowhawk, I don't think I need to tell you. You know, the the reason I say it's the odd man out of like image books is because Spawn kept going. Spawn is still going right now. Savage same, Dragon, same for Savage Dragon, right? Like Todd and uh, uh, Eric Larson helped start image and they're still there right mm-hmm. jim lee jumps ship and sells all his stuff to dc yeah rob also more or less jumps ship but valentino's the one who's like kind of still there but the book only like intermittently comes back every five years or so yeah. Like it's it's like if you look at the image 7 and like the stuff that they did you can kind of like like they all wound up doing stuff for a like you know up to today. You know? Like you yeah. said Todd Todd's still a pretty big deal, you know? Spawn's still coming out. Savage Dragon still coming out, and Eric Larson did like other stuff in the in the nineties and two thousands. Yeah, Rob is Rob. Rob is Rob. You know, like Jim Lee and like Wills Portacio are kind of like in that. Like Wills Portacio, I always think of as being like kind of a Jim Lee guy, not in a bad way, but in like a like a Paul yeah. guy kind of way. I mean, Wills Portacio kind of just went back to being an artist for hire. Yeah, yeah, but like. Jim Valentino, it's like, you know, Shadowhawk, and then it like, I don't, I don't know what Jim Valentino did after that. And I'm someone who has been consistently reading comic books throughout that entire era. Isn't like, he since like 1992? Isn't he like a, like an executive at Image? Yeah, I think he like moved into like being a, a, a publisher, but like as a, yeah. As a creator, yeah, like I, I mean, like I think he was the guy who was like, "Hey, let's give Robert Kirkman a shot." Yeah, let, let, did, did, Jim Valentino read Battle Pope and was like, "This guy's going places." I think I know for a while he was the publisher, but that was twenty years ago. Yeah, he got replaced by Eric Larson as publisher, so. I don't know. Yeah, Jim Valentino, a really interesting figure in oh, comics history. He published. He, he published fucking Bomb Queen. Valentino did. Yeah, through Shadowline. Yeah, that's his imprint. Right. Yeah. That's that's yeah. So I think he moved more into editorial. That sounds right. Yeah. I mean, Bomb Queen, but. Okay. Blue Queen. 
More like Black Queen. <laughs> Call up Mad Magazine. We have a pitch. Next on CJ's list is Archie's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Adventures numbers one through three. You talking about you talking about that floating cow head that goes between dimensions? <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. I have not read those comics since roughly nineteen eighty nine. And did not read all of them then. I would have to go back and read those. I apologize. Yes, I was. I enjoyed these Archie Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics. Now, okay, so what we're talking about is not the ongoing series that started in 1989 and went for to went 73 issues. I think. I assume we're talking about the miniseries here. Probably. Like the Archie Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles miniseries that like retells their origin and stuff. Because then there was an ongoing series that also had a one through three. So we, we also like need clarification on that. Yeah. I think. But that might be a fun one to go back to for a yeah, future that, that might be a fun one to go back to. But I remember reading the Archie Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics. Like I would just buy an issue when I saw it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, this was very much a uh, what they got us Piggly Wiggly comic. Yeah, yeah. And so I would be like, why is Raphael wearing all black? Boy, I forgot that was in this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was in the ongoing series where, like, Raphael started wearing, like, an all-black outfit at some point. If you're Archie Comics publishing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book for children, don't have it have heavy continuity. (laughs) It did, though. Yeah, that's, (laughs) that's what I'm saying about that. The ongoing series had very heavy continuity. Uh, But, CJ, let us know... If you mean the miniseries that is sort of like the retelling of the origin from the original comic, or if you mean the first three issues of the ongoing. And and then we can try to maybe do that as a catch-up, even though we've got several catch-ups to do in the near future. Because August was inadvertently a month where we didn't do catch-up. <laughs> uh, Folks... Things happen. Yeah, they did. Um, okay, finally on CJ's list is Hard Boiled Numbers 1 through 3. I don't think I've read those either. Oh, I have. That's the... Uh, uh, Frank Jeff Miller, Darrow. Book. Frank Miller, Jeff Darrow. Yeah. Yeah. Here's yeah. The, yeah. I haven't read them. I have read them. Or and maybe I have read them. Surely I read these. I mean, it is like a tr- like one of those iconic comics from like the early '90s Dark Horse era. I had to have read these, much like. Weapon X, Barry Windsor Smith's Weapon X, which came out roughly the same time. 
like very early 90s. This is a relatively threadbare story that is made so, so, so much better by absolutely breathtaking art. Like, the Jeff Darrow art in this is unbelievable. Like, next level good. I don't remember if I read all of it, or if I read just enough to go, oh, these are Frank Miller's ideas from RoboCop. That is true. It, I mean, what it is is a cyberpunk story. Like, it's it's Blade Runner without any of the mystery. Because <laughs> it's like, it like presents the idea of whether the lead character, uh, whose name is Carl, uh, is say a like, robot. Say like Andrew Lincoln. Carl. There we go. His name is Carl. And like, it sort of introduces the, the question of whether he's a robot or not. And then it's like, oh yeah, he's a robot. He's definitely a robot. Confirmed. Issue two. <laughs> he's a robot. <laughs> and then it just turns into like explosions and gunfights and like cool shit for Jeff Darrow, Darrow to draw. And then it ends on a huge bummer. Yeah, that sounds like a that sounds like a Frank Miller comic of this era. Yeah. It is utterly gorgeous. And I would recommend it just on the basis of Jeff Darrow's art. It is like it's Jeff Darrow doing American Akira is what it is. Like it's so beautiful. Yeah, there's there's from what I read and from what I'm looking at right now, there's a lot of Akira in it. Yeah. There's a lot of Blade Runner in it. Yeah. There's a lot of Robocop in it. And there's a lot of of Judge Dredd in it. Yeah, it's all it's a combination of all of those things, kinda. Yeah. Um and Darrow's like the way he visualizes these things, like the sort of kind of like you know, airstream 1950s style of car and the ultra detailed, you know, mechanisms and robots, the sort of like everything kind of has an art deco look to it, the the buildings and everything. It is unbelievably gorgeous. Like, I would be shocked if I didn't learn that the makers of the Fallout games weren't huge fans of this comic because the aesthetics are all there. Um, and it's beautiful, but like that amazing art is in service of a story that's just like a fine cyberpunk story. Like a cyberpunk story that is... I hesitate to say cliche, but like a very like stamped out here is a cyberpunk story. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like 
it, I, I guess I'm ragging on, ragging on Frank Miller a lot here, but Darrow is fully, fully, fully the star of the show, of this comic. You know yeah, what I mean? I, th- I think you're, I think you're right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's good and I would recommend it, but it's the art is doing so, so, so much work than so much more work than the writing is. Yeah. Uh, oh, this came out in 1992, which means it's, it's one of the last comics that Frank Miller did. Yeah. Before, before he uh, decided to explore the Bermuda Triangle with John Byrne. Tragic disappearance. And, it, and his mysterious disappearance. We don't know if it's tragic. That's true. He, we can, he could be on a farm upstate where he can run and play as much as he wants. That's true. It, I'm assuming that it was tragic. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm trying to find something on the list that is like eighty percent art, twenty percent story, <laughs> which is kind of what hard boiled is. Um, because I feel like it is really good and worth reading, but so much more for the art than the writing. Again, is it worth reading or is it worth looking at? <sighs> That's a good point. I don't know. I feel like the you get more out of the art by knowing what the story is, but that is a fair that is a fair distinction. I think it may just be worth looking at. This is a comic that Wizard loved, by the way. I might not have read it and might only have memories of seeing it talked about in Wizard Magazine. It was Wizard would bring up Hard Boiled anytime it could. You know what else Wizard would bring up anytime it could, Matt? <laughs> Dawn by Joseph Michael Lister. Do you have your phone handy? I do. I do have my phone handy. Are you going to send me a picture of Billy Tucci She? <laughs> no, you just check your phone real quick. Oh, it's it's Sean going kind of a gun at me. Now this picture is in my phone. Well, you were here. I should have stolen your phone and made that your background. <laughs> that would have been rude. I wouldn't have done uh, that. I respect your privacy. But John Byrne, very funny. John Byrne, who also disappeared. He was he was on the. I think he had, he got those guns. That he's pointing at you in this picture that I got from Wizard Magazine, uh, yeah. just in case they ran into any uh, any like dinosaurs in the Bermuda Triangle, just to scare okay. them off, you know. Yeah, for he sure. Wanted to hurt anything. Here's what I know for sure: Hard Boiled is better than Detroit Metal City. Uh, okay, yeah, fair. <laughs> Boy, Detroit Metal City, a comic I thoroughly enjoyed and read every page of and will not recommend to anyone. Yeah. (sighs) Hmm. I think it's somewhere in the early 900s. Like, I feel like we kind of have to put it above Nixon's Pals. Because there would absolutely not be a Nixon's Pals, and there would probably not be a Chris Burnham without Jeff Darrow. 
I mean, the guy's name is Nixon in. Yeah. Uh, yes. In Hard Boiled. Yeah. Yes. I kind of. Okay. Let, you say Last Stand of the Records is, records is really good, right? Yeah, it's really good. Maybe we just put it into the new number 901, right above Nixon's Pals. All right. I feel like people are going to really get on us about this, that being too low of a ranking. 17-year-old me would be furious that I'm ranking this this low. But as at 40 years old, having read a lot more cyberpunk storytelling... The story of Hard Boiled, again, it's it's Blade Runner without the mystery. <laughs> yeah, uh, here's a couple things that are that are above Hard Boiled numbers one through three by Frank Miller and Jeff Darrow. Uh, Master of the Universe: The Origin of Hordak, which rules actually. <laughs> yeah, US one is above. US one by uh, written by Al Milgram, numbers one through twelve. Uh, Man and Wolf. The story commonly known as Cap Wolf. The only entry on our list that has an accompanying yeah. Hell yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, Omega Red, another X-Men story where someone is just hanging brain. (laughs) A lot of dudes, a lot of people in X-Men just hang out nude. Have you noticed that? I mean, yes. Storm used to walk around nude all the time. Like, pretty sure Psylocke got naked a lot in the 90s and made Scott go all weird. Wolverine. Omega Red. Mystique, technically. Technically. I mean, she's she's covered. It's, it's, it's still nude, Matt. But yes, yes, yes. It's still nude. A lot of X Men just like to hang out naked. You, you're you're right. You're right. All right, Chris. CJ had a couple of backups for us, and we did disqualify two from their list. So, how about these? Okay, hit me. Archie Sunshine. S O N S H I N. You know I've read that one. That is. The Archie Spire Christian comic from 1974. Yeah. By Al Hartley. Yeah. (laughs) As you know, Matt, I am a fan of and collector of uh, Al Hartley's Archie Christian comics. (laughs) Because they're, they're, they're fascinating for many reasons, one of which being they're almost Archie comics. Like they have the characters, they have the characters. They tell a couple jokes. They get all the way up to, to the point of like the punchline. And then some way too realistic looking dude shows up and tells you about Jesus. Yeah. And I don't, I will tell you what, if I'm, if I'm in the Archie universe 
And I'm about to send you another picture. Not of, not of, don't worry, it's not of John Byrne aiming a pistol at the camera. Okay. Which was published in Wizard Magazine to promote, I don't know, She-Hulk, maybe? Or, or Babe? Probably Babe. <laughs> I doubt it was She-Hulk. But yeah, if I'm, if I'm in Archie Comics and this dude shows up looking, looking human in an upsetting way. Yeah. The dude, this dude who wears a, like a jean jacket with no shirt underneath, like orange Cassidy. Oh, I wish I wish these comics had Orange Cassidy. I wish Orange Cassidy would tell me about Jesus. <laughs> God, that would be great. Yeah. Uh, I also like how Al Hartley represents the concept of sin. Uh, my favorite one is when they're, uh, the gang is walking past, like through a Times Square-looking uh, place, and there's a movie theater marquee that says, Divorce Any Style. Yes. Which is confusing. I do not consider divorce to be inherently erotic. Uh, Well, it's it's a play on Love American style, right? Is it? It's gotta be, yeah. I mean, that's... Buddy, call call you Eel O'Brien and dunk you in some chemicals, because that's a stretch. Anyway, this comic is all about how Ethel is sad because nobody wants to go out with her. Um, but then she learns that what she really needs in life is to hyperfixate on Jesus. And it's also about how divorce is bad, right? Like, it, divorce is destroying society. I mean, that's... I don't know if that's explicitly mentioned in in, in this, but it is, like, certainly implied. Like, these are Hartley books. I mean, they're weird. They're weird in a way that, like, a Chick Tract is not. Like, Chick Tracts are weird in a different way. But there's, they're, like, one step removed from a Chick Tract, right? Like, they're very close. They're not usually as, like, outright hateful. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I just, I just like the way I, I think I was talking about this sin is represented by, um, just a panel with a marquee that says skin flick, a, a beer that's opening and all, it's all foamy. Uh, there's some magazines, one of which is named Hey Boy. Hey Boy. And one is just getting named Porno. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's just various pills and, uh, an ashtray and some cigarettes and a needle, a needle. Amazing. Yeah. Sin. Gotta, gotta watch out for it. Like, see, I feel like that is the similarity to a Chick Tract. Like, in this comic and a Chick Tract, you can buy fucking heroin from a store. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you know what this dude looks like? Um. That- that is telling all the Archie kids about Jesus. I'm going to say a name. Okay. And if I'm right, you're going to fucking lose it. Okay. Greg Evigan. I mean, he does look kind of like Greg Evigan. <laughs> it's, it's not who I was thinking of, but he does look like Greg Evigan. 
But he looks like if, like, Ken from this era of Barbie had a beard and became an Archie character. Yeah. Like, with the hair and everything. Yeah. yeah. I, I think he's meant to look like Jesus. I think, this is... I think he's supposed to be Jesus. Like, Jesus has arrived to preach to the Archie gang. Yeah. He's talking about uh, himself in third person. <laughs> yeah. I don't like him. I don't trust him. I don't like yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. Man. And he looks like Greg Evigan. Okay. Here's here's the question. R- Real talk. Is this a story? I mean, <sighs> Is it a story or is it a pamphlet? I mean, it does... uh, It does have a sequence of narrative events. Ethel is sad because she's not getting dicked out. Uh Uh-huh. And so Jesus shows up and says, you should find Christ. Don't get hung up on things that seem important. Look at the gulls. They have no pantry or store, and yet God feeds them. Look at this field. Liberace in all his splendor is not as colorful as these flowers. And Liberace is there. Liberace is there, and I can't tell... I can't tell if this is Al Hartley drawing like a homophobic caricature of Liberace, or just Liberace. It is impossible to know. Hard to know. Yeah. And then uh, Ethel accepts Jesus, accepts the Lord into her heart, and then uh, immediately gets a boyfriend who, I mean, if we want to talk about an original subtext, uh, her boyfriend that she gets is like hanging out on the beach wearing a hot pink t-shirt and hot pink short shorts. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And is really into Jesus. I don't know. I don't... There, There is a sequence of events, but I do not know if it qualifies as a story. Also, is this how Ethel has always looked? <laughs> I mean, it's how Ethel looked until... Uh, I mean, more or less very recently, yeah. Okay. I, do, I knew modern Ethel looked different. Yeah, like the like Ethel is Ethel they didn't do right by Ethel. Ethel is verging on offensive stereotype. For what? I don't know. I don't even it's, know. It is like she is a stereotype of a race that does not exist or of like a like a type of person. But I don't I don't want to even guess what that might have been. Yeah, I mean she she's meant to be a homely young lady. Yeah. Who is in love with Jughead. Which is weird. <sighs> which is weird because she could be hot and Jughead would still not be interested in her, which I think would be more interesting. But then Archie would be interested in her, I guess. Okay. Chris, you have omitted one, I think, very key detail of Ethel's new boyfriend who wears... Is, a hot, is it his hot, cool shirt? 
It's a shirt that has a finger pointing up and says one way. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a reference to another uh, catchphrase from another Al Hartley comic, Archie's One Way. Uh-huh. Um, but definitely does look. It does look like it's implying something else. It looks like it's implying something. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I'll tell you that for free. It looks like it's implying a certain kind of stimulation. <laughs> Maybe this this young man enjoys. Yes. Definitely. Definitely so. Man, okay. If we have determined that this is a story, then you gotta rank it. I don't know I don't know if it's a story. I I oof. I mean, it does have a narrative, and it is a like we can't even say disqualify for being a comic strip. It's a comic book. If we're judging it as a story, it's bad. It's, it's bad. It's just not yeah. a good story. It's like not very funny. It's weird. There's a guy who looks all wrong in it. Preachy. Very preachy. Preachy. And like preachy in that weird way of like at one point there's a girl who's like. But all my friends mock me out if I don't do heroin with them. Which I guess maybe could happen. But I didn't experience that in my life. Yeah. But I, you know, I also just, just been a little bit of homebody, so. Just randomly at one point, Moose shows up with an unplugged refrigerator full of food. Yeah, because it's a hot day, and he thought all the food should be in the fridge. Uh, but he, it's not plugged in. And so all the food went bad. In the time that it took that fridge to get from Moose's house to the beach. And then Jesus has to be like, God will be the one who really provides. Well, he, he's like, yeah, because this refrigerator wasn't connected to the, the source. It's the same way if you're not connected to the source of all life. There's also like little puzzles every few pages. I hate the little puzzles. I do not like the little puzzles. <laughs> also, at the end of it, like there's a, a panel of everybody walking away, and like Ethel's holding hands with her boyfriend that she got. Uh, but like Archie, like they're walking away from the sunset, so it's like Archie has a halo, which. Man, this is—I mean—it's not even my favorite spy or Christian comic by Al Hartley, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. I don't—I don't think it's a rankable story. <sighs> okay. We would be ranking an IKEA instruction manual, which is technically sequential art. So are we, okay. This this is probably the closest thing. Like okay, okay. Oh boy, we have ranked chick tracks. Yeah, but th- this doesn't have as much narrative as a chick track. Chick tracks generally tell a story. I mean, it does. It does have a narrative. I mean, it's it's got like. It's got like a couple of jokes, and then Jesus shows up. Then or- th- or Jesus Cassidy shows up. I'm gonna say we should rank it just 
low. Let's just rank it low. I mean, yeah, it's going to be low. It's it's not good. It's yeah. bad. I mean, it's like on a technical level, it's not fun to read. And it's no. designed to fool you into thinking it's fun to read. So it fails at its like stated purpose. Is I don't it, think anyone came to Christ because of this. Is it better or worse than Ron Zimmerman's Rawhide Kid? Which is one I big game. It's Rawhide. Okay, Rawhide Kid is like. I feel like Rawhide Kid is immoral, but not for the reason people would think we would say that. <laughs> like, it's not immoral because the Rawhide Kid is gay. It's immoral because the Rawhide Kid is a like wild stereotype. Yeah, he's the butt of the joke. Like, yeah, who's like the butt of a joke. But like, like Ron Zimmerman's gay, right? Is he? I think so. I I don't I don't know I don't know. And this is like, I think more moral than than that. But by also like by accident, uh, Ron Zimmerman p- passed away last year. Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, I I mean like just not not what we wanted. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not what we wanted. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Ron Zimmerman. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I cannot. I can neither confirm nor deny whether uh, he was gay. But um, it it is definitely Rawhide Kid is definitely a making the gay bay character the butt of the joke kind of. Yeah, it's 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 the worst version of making a character gay. Yeah. But uh, like this, nope. I mean, nope. He he dated Cher. Ron Zimmerman. He dated Cher. So at minimum, he dated women. Okay. 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 That doesn't mean he's not bisexual or anything like that. But he he did famously date Cher. So anyway. Where are we putting this Archie comic? I don't know, man. I guess it's... here. Here's the thing. As a story, it's bad. But also, I, I think it fails at its purpose. It does not make a coherent argument or a cogent argument for accepting Jesus. True. So, in that regard, I think it is a failure. I think Rawhide Kid is less of a failure... It's definitely better than Ultimate Adventures, though. Correct. Yes. Ultimate Adventures is f- a failure from top to bottom. Ultimate Adventures, everything about it is, is fails. Yeah. So Archie Sunrise is the new number fourteen fifty nine. I texted you the other day, and I just texted you. 
What's that? I said sunrise. It's sunshine. Sorry. Uh, I, I texted you the other day, and I just texted you the phrase, Hey, man, Cal AOL Turner. <laughs> and that was it. Because, again, that's in the vault forever. I'll never forget it. Yeah. It doesn't somebody stand. Like, somebody was like, that's a good joke. It could have... One person thought... At least one person thought... It could have just been Cal AOL. And then that might have been... That might have been better? But Cal AOL Turner doesn't scan. True. Um, Another backup from CJ is Jackie Chan's Spartan X Hellbent Hero for Hire, numbers one through four. Was never able to put together a run. I got right. numbers one and three and couldn't find two and four. How about Sabotage X over Spider-Man 16 and X-Force 3 and 4? D- Matt, here's my question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about the Marvel comic where uh, the World Trade Center gets destroyed by the Juggernaut? <laughs> Do I want to talk about it? No. And Yeah, I said Juggernaut. Because I'm from the South, and I read that comic when I was like 10. Oh. Juggernaut. The World Trade Center got destroyed by a juggernaut? Conspiracy. Conspiracy-derack. Um, I only read the Spiderman. I just said Spiderman. You only read the Spiderman issue. I only read the Juggernaut issue. <laughs> I only read the Spider-Man issue of this. Um... um. I just don't want to talk about it. You just don't want to talk about it. I think that's that's also the new rule, is if I don't want to talk about it, we don't have to. I I, I will say um, the whole gimmick of the book being, like, sideways uh-huh. is kind of cool. Yeah, no, um, uh, I uh, actually talked to Rob about that. Uh, he, he took us out to dinner on one of the few occasions that... Uh, uh, we did a com with him after Bad Blood came out, mm-hmm. and he talked about doing that on uh, on Hawk and Dove. Ha- Why am I saying things so fucking weird right now? <laughs> it's it's both of us on, on, on Hawk and Dove. Hawk and Dove. Oh, Hawk and Dove. Uh, no, like the, it, he talked about doing it on Hawk and Dove, and how like uh, like the editor like flipped out on him at the time. And he's like, no, but I thought like I had seen other people do this and it was cool. And I, I suspect that's why he did it on this issue of X-Force where the juggernaut, uh, destroys the world trade center. It is in all of the issues. It's in the Spider-Man issue too. I mean, it's like, it's pretty cool. (laughs) It's a cool gimmick for something to do with, a like, a comic visually. It's, uh, I mean, this, this, this comic is only really remarkable because the world trade center gets destroyed in it. And it's like, not a big deal. But, at all. Well, yes, th- there's that. Also juggernaut in this is just a guy who's like, ha ha, I'm going to fuck everybody up. And that's all the characterization he gets. And like, I don't know. 
There's more to Juggernaut than that. <laughs> now, Matt. Now, Matt. We have said, I think in this very episode, that you and I are fans of comics where dudes just get fucked up. Yeah, 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 but... So how like, are you going to sit here and say that you don't like this comic where Juggernaut is like, I'm going to fuck a bunch of dudes up? No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that is all the characterization he has. Wolverine in Weapon X has a character. That's true. There is a reason for him to do what he does. What sucks about Sabotage Sabotage. is Juggernaut has no character at all. He's just a big guy who smash. You know? Like, there's nothing more to him than that, even though we know there's more to Juggernaut than that. We sure do. That, that That's my point. Can I tell you something that rules, actually? Yeah, hit me. If you just pick up X-Force uh, number four, mm-hmm. the first caption on this page, shout out to Fabian Nicieza, is Manhattan. Pick it up as you go along. I love that shit. <laughs> they got time to explain this shit to you. On that same page, uh, Wolfsbane says, uh, do, you, do any of you think I give a fig? Shut up and let's have some fun. Like, the members of X-Force have a argument about whether their fight is gratuitous. Mm-hmm. And then Spider-Man says, Kids, kids, please, a modicum of decor, por favor. Now let me impersonate Storm and Norman and our little dessert storm. <laughs> Jeepers Christmas. And if we survive this mess, that'll just be icing on the cake. What is Cable wearing in this story? I don't fucking know. Oh, buddy. Buddy. I have good news. I have good news. It's time to sidebar, bud. Okay, hit me with the sidebar. We got the September coolometer. (laughs) Okay, hit me with with what's on the coolometer. (laughs) This, this, This is the same coolometer that we have talked about before. This is the same coolometer that came up when we were doing the Groonies. Okay. Because this is the one where Julia Roberts is is the top. Uh Uh-huh. And the metric system is the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Diplomatic immunity? Not as cool as Paula Abdul. Higher on the coolometer, Paula Abdul. Pretty low down on the coolometer. That's right, Rick D's. <laughs> you know what? I can't disagree. I'll tell you he's way down at the bottom of the coolometer. Kiefer Sutherland. What the fuck was he doing in September of 92? 91, I guess. I don't know. He. I would think that would be like a, a peak portion of Kiefer Sutherland's career. Absolutely but. not. 
Well, as much as you didn't want to talk about this, Chris, we did. We talked about it. I mean, yeah, like this, like, here's the thing. It is a very standard 90s superhero punch-up. Todd McFarlane writes and draws the first part. Rob draws the second part. Like, it's there's not much to it. Juggernaut shows up, and he's just a guy who's going to fuck himself up. It's Todd's last issue of Spider-Man. It is Todd's probably last Rob's issue. last issue of X Force, right? It has. It's around that time. Well, no, because Eric Larson came on Spider Man after Todd. So we're. I mean, we're getting pretty close to to the end. But Rob Rob does draw the next uh, couple of issues of X Force. Here, here's what I'm going to say. We've talked about a lot of comics from this particular time period. This episode, somehow. So much of what we talk about is from the very start of the 90s. Mm-hmm. And Weapon X is a book that rules in retrospect. Like, it absolutely rules. It holds up. It's great. Everybody who cares about Wolverine should read it. Hard Boiled is a book that doesn't really hold up, but as a story per se, but has amazing art and still has value, like clear value. (laughs) This is what I would say is indicative of so many comics from 1990 and 1991 where it rules in one sense it rules, but it sucks. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, I actually understand exactly what you mean. (laughs) And I agree. Yeah. So where is that on the list? Where's the part of the list where it rules, but it sucks? I feel like like the the only thing that is notable about this issue is that it's got the World Trade Center stuff in it, right? And and there's the gimmick of it being sideways. Yeah. And w- which Morrison was doing 10 years later, you know? Yeah. Like literally 10 years to the day. Like it's got a fun gimmick. Yeah. And the art is like dated, but it's good. Yeah. Also, there's a fucking pinup in the X-Force issue uh, by Mike Mignola that fucking owns. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's so you know good. what you can't see in that, in that pinup? Tell me. Feet. Everybody clowns on Rob. He'll tell you. I stopped drawing feet because Mike Mignola stopped drawing feet and I thought it looked cool. Stop. Everybody always makes that same fucking joke about Rob. If you want to make can fun you, of Rob, bring up other things. Can you imagine if Mike Mignola had drawn X-Force? Like the book? I mean, it would be a different book. <laughs> Man. If, like, if, these characters look so fucking rad, drawn by Mike Mignola. <laughs> I mean, they kind of look rad drawn by Rob. I mean, they do, but in a totally different way. Uh, here's what I would love to see. Plot and layouts by Rob finishes by Mike Mignola. Yeah, that would have been... Imagine that shit. It would have been great. Buck wild. Oh, we talked about how the X-Force issue started. Do you want to hear how it finishes? Yes. Okay. So 
they fucking blow up Juggernaut. Like, literally, the way the <laughs> the enemy is dealt with is they blow him up. <laughs> uh, and then everybody gets in the fucking, the, you know, X-Force. It's not a Quinjet or a, a Blackbird. It's their version of that. I forget what it's called. But as they're flying away... Uh, it's it's just a character, and we don't even. I think it might be Shatterstar, but I'm not sh- sure because it's not pointing to a person. It's pointing to the plane flying away, <laughs> and they say, "Everyone, strap in and shut up." We walked away from it. They ran from it. Leave it at that. Now let me enjoy turning on the afterburners. Let's blow this clam cake and go home. Presumably, that's Cable talking. Maybe it is Cable. It's whoever's flying the plane, but we don't see who it is. Cable, baby. That's Nathan. Okay. okay. That's Nathan Charles Christopher Dayspringers County Sun Summers right there. Okay. Uh, it's good, but it sucks. It It's characterization at an absolute minimum. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So no. many... So many Marvel comics from the 90s just assumed that you already knew who these characters were from 30 years of Marvel comics. And they were like, all right, we're just going to put the toys in the toy box and we don't need to develop these characters anymore. Here's here's a great line from Jaboy Fabian Nicieza. Mm-hmm. When uh, Cable is talking to Juggernaut's boyfriend, Black Tom Cassidy. Should I, I, I'm not going to do the accent. Okay. Uh, uh, Black Tom says, first and foremost, the return of me friend Kane Marco, the Juggernaut. Secondly, that Black Tom Cassidy is a man willing to back his threats with actions. Thirdly, the pleasure of seeing one of your bloody righteous mutant X-teams humbled and eliminated. And Cable... Gets out a gun and says, We'll end the day batting 666. Not bad for a minor leaguer, but not good enough to play with the big boys. Uh, that line's great because if you're batting 666, you're the best baseball player who has ever lived. That's true. Yes. Yes. Anyway, where do you want to Better put it up? Than- Better than Tony Gwynn. <laughs> yes. Go look up Tony Gwynn, folks. He had a great batting average. I don't know how I know that, but I do. Uh, I don't know. It's like, it's like I said, where's the part of the list where it's like, it's great, but it sucks. Is it like Armor Wars 2? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's exactly where it is. <laughs> yeah. So around like 1200. Yeah. Is where this goes. The exact number 1200 is Spider-Man 2099. Yeah. Which is... Better. Is it, though? Yeah, it's better than this. Having recently reread Dragon Ball Volume 1, I can tell you I would read this comic before I would go back and read the first volume of Dragon Ball again. 
Okay, that's is it. Okay, so is it better or worse than Superman one ninety nine, the Superman Flash race? Uh, I would say better. Okay, so this is the Superman new number Flash race is never what you want it to be. It's never what you want it to be. They keep doing it. It's never going to be what you want it to be. It's true. It's true. It's it is DC Comics version of Charlie Brown and the football. Yeah, yeah. But we're Charlie Brown. Do we have this on the list already? Do we? We do. It's at number. It's at, it's at number eleven thirty eight. We ranked it very close to where it was. It's so it's higher than we were gonna put it. Yeah. But okay, okay. Well, we talked about it again. <laughs> I'm glad you recognized that we already ranked it. Yeah, my spreadsheet went to uh, auto complete it. So uh, we're out of time. Oh, what a what a sad thing. Uh. If you would like to send us an Every Story Ever list, we didn't get through many <laughs> on this special, but we had a lot of Wolverine to talk about. He found uh, a lot of dudes, dude. He does. He does. Uh, uh, he RoboCop to him. Had to fuck him up. I did, didn't we start with 1471 on the list, and now we have 1476? This might be our worst. <laughs> In terms of, of number of comics ranked, this might be the worst we've ever done. We did five. We did five. We did five comics. Uh, Folks, the discussion you, is the show. That's right. If you'd like to send us an Every Story Ever list, you can do it at our email address, which is warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. You can also uh, get in touch with us in other ways. You can hit us up on Tumblr, warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. We're on the bad website that I'm still going to call Twitter at warrocketpod. We're on Blue Sky at uh, warrocketpodcast. Or I think it's actually War Rocket Ajax on Blue Sky. Yeah, it's warrocketajax.bsky.social. Got it. Uh, we uh, The best place to get in touch with us, though, is our Discord. So ask us for an invitation in one of the places I just said, and we will get you an invitation to the Discord. And you can be on there with our community of very fine, wonderful uh, listeners. Uh, who asked questions to me and Marlene on our regular episode this week, and it was an absolute delight. Uh, if you want to support these specials, now on to the important stuff, if you want to support these specials uh, that we do every month, as well as the weekly War Rocket Ajax show, Comics Catch-Up, Movie Fighters and Snack Situation, I think Movie Fighters is on hiatus during the strike. Uh, but we'll do a snack situation in September. Um, but if you want to help us out on for all those shows, you can do it at our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Ajax. So go over there and help us out if you can. If you want to find me and my stuff, I'm at mattdwilson.net. That has links to my books, my comics, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website and has links to almost everything. Uh, it doesn't have a link to my Blue Sky account because I don't, I don't actually want anyone following me there. But I did, I did put up a second uh, uh, zeet, skeet, post, tweet. I did put up a second tweet on on uh, Blue Sky. Uh, it's a it's it's from Dragon Ball. It's from uh, 
it's from uh, the 30th chapter of, of Dragon Ball Z, which is called The Quiet Wrath of Son Goku. It's good. It's a good post. It's a good post. That's what I'm, that's what I'm using Blue Sky for these days. But uh, you can find me there. It's the same. That's the same thing as it always is, everybody. Uh, but you don't. You don't have to. You don't have to. See you next time, everybody. I'd rather you go to the Patreon. We love you. We love you. Forever, 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 ever, forever, ever. Yes! From this day on, let every greed of Mongol live together.